0: This podcast is brought to you by NetBank. Whether you're thinking of franchising your business, buying into or revamping your franchise, stay tuned for tips on how to grow your brand and portfolio. Welcome to episode two of the Franchising Podcast powered by NetBank. Today, we will be interviewing Jaim de Abreu from one of South Africa's favorite homegrown brands, Ocean Basket. Ocean Basket opened doors to their first store in 1995 in Menlin. Now they have stores in Europe, the Middle East, Asia and the rest of Africa. They are the ultimate home away from home restaurant and offer an array of Mediterranean inspired dishes, prawns, sushi, calamari and their famous fish and chips. Jaim is the operations executive at Ocean Basket in South Africa, previously having worked at South African breweries and Powertech. He has a great passion for the franchisees in the group and a deep understanding of the franchisor and franchisee relationship. Welcome Jaim.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Good and you. So lovely to have you here on the Franchising Podcast. Tell us, in terms of Ocean Basket, how important is the relationship that you have as franchisor with franchisees?
1: Well, if I have to tell you, it's probably the most critical aspect when it comes to franchising. That relationship with, between franchisor and franchisee is the starting point on whether or not it's going to be successful. I mean, that's how I see it. I mean, a lot of people end up saying there's a franchisee and a franchisor. I see it no different to being a partnership it has to be because theoretically we hand over our baby which is ocean basket to someone else to run and they give us money and expect us to help them build this recipe of success so it is definitely a partnership it's not a them and us if it starts off there i can promise you that restaurant or whatever franchise business won't won't last the five-year term or the 10-year term or the 20 years that it's around so it's the starting point of where the entire business begins if that makes any sense.
0: And based on your experience could you identify just maybe two or three factors that really influence that partnership in terms of making it work successfully?
1: So I think the biggest factors is the ability for us to listen to each other. So the franchisor has We've managed to build a recipe. I mean, I think no one invests in franchising unless there's a success aspect of it. It gives you a return, I like the culture, I like the, the flavour, I like being in restaurants, whatever it might be, but the the fundamental starting point when you're thinking about it is we must be able to work together. We must be able to listen to each other, It's similar to a marriage, to be honest. There's different elements that each party brings to the table. We bring the recipe, we bring the structure, we bring the support, we bring all of that stuff. And that person needs to bring the invested interest. So when they're in trouble, we're a phone call away. We're not distant partners that we don't want to tell each other anything. So it is very much an open relationship as we're in there. When they're successful, they, they're screaming at the rafters and saying, my business is great, it's amazing. Um, the numbers are good. That's the type of relation you have to have. So the fundamental thing there is a very open relationship. We have open books, open numbers, share every data set we have because that's the only way we're going to grow in success. They live the shop. We run the brand. So those two have to marry together. And if we don't share that info, you just won't have a successful restaurant or anything.
0: And would you say if openness is so important, it should be supported by a fundamental value of honesty?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, the one thing Ocean Basket's always had as a fundamental starting point, again, is, is it's open and honest. When we share with you, when we project your store, we never over-project you. I mean, we can't guarantee every restaurant's success, but we do everything in our power to take all that data to say, This is where we see you coming out this is your net return this is what you can expect us from um, a support perspective this is what our franchisee agreement looks like it's not a contract so i can hold you in line it's a contract that you can hold me in line as well so we all in this thing together so honesty is it's crux in the moment so i I don't think you're going to go and give someone else four five million rand and not trust them i mean it would be a bit crazy i mean they always hear that saying where people say you you won't give someone your 100,000 rand BMW to drive around, but you let someone else drive their 5 million rand shop. It doesn't really make sense. So in, in that, honesty, is, it's a, it has to be there. It's not even an option. It's not even a negotiation from the start. If you can't trust me and I can't trust the franchisee, it's just never going to be a success again.
0: Often one reads that franchisees aren't true entrepreneurs, and I'm not sure, perhaps that's a myth. What is your experience?
1: You know what? I did my MBA and it was actually a question that was highlighted by a professor. When, I mean, I'm Portuguese and we come from cafes and bottle stores and stuff. Is that a true entrepreneur? I mean, in my head, if you've invested capital to grow the economy in different ways, I give people jobs, I grow my own wealth, I grow a product into a market, I develop it. So I add value to Of course you're an entrepreneur. The fact that you chose to use a franchise is your choice, if I have to say that. Not everyone's skilled enough to go and build a new restaurant. I mean, what would I know coming out of South African breweries to open up a a seafood restaurant next to nothing? So now I can trust on someone, they can give me the recipe, and I can take my skill sets and take that recipe and make it a successful business. That's true entrepreneurship.
0: Have you ever experienced that, um, I'll use an example, we have a, a son or a daughter of a wealthy family and daddy gives the money to invest in the restaurant and it doesn't turn out to be successful.
1: Luckily with us we haven't had it get to the point where the restaurant opened. Let's start there. So it's got to the point where people have said, listen we've got a bit of money I want to invest in this partner if it's a son or uncle or cousin or whatever. But because there's a process in which people go through, we've managed to curb it out. I mean, logically, if if the person's not the right fit, it will never work. If the person's the right fit, it will work. And if the person starts like where we start with the conversation, where we have an open conversation, I have a vested interest. I know what I'm doing. I don't necessarily need to know what my franchise businesses be at restaurants like us. But I know how to manage the entire system. Um, it, it works. So luckily we haven't got into that corner. Have we had failed restaurants? Definitely. I mean that, that, that's the natural nature of business. But fundamentally that's economics that drive that, not necessarily the person or the individual or the operator because they go through screening before it gets there.
0: We often say that people don't investigate failure enough. People kind of tend to shy away from it and in entrepreneurship it builds resilience what would you say in the failed restaurants were the main obstacles to success?
1: So with us, I think the biggest failure is that if you have to see if we've had any in the last, it's probably happened in the last couple of years, and it's driven predominantly by economics. So South Africa is quite a dynamic environment. I mean, what South Africa looked like when we opened up the brand in 1994 versus what it looks like today in 2019 is totally different. So if you think about our restaurants now, we can take a prime example. Um, Let's say Soweto. There was no Maponya Mall before. Would you have had a restaurant there or not? Would you have been in the middle of Midrand and had a restaurant in probably the only little center that was there? All of a sudden I'm surrounded by four major retail sectors, Mall of Africa, etc. That fundamentally changes my business. It's not necessarily that I run a bad shop or anything like that. It's the economics of that entire town changes. So you're 100% right. You have to explore the failures because in the failures you learn where you need to look out for for the next five years. I mean, when you think about franchising and our restaurants and our partners, I mean, any of our franchisees, I'm not really interested in the now. The now determines whether or not there's a return on this business. It's what's happening in two, three from now. So two, three years from now, Are we where we are? Are we moving your shop? Are we keeping it where it is, making it stronger? Are we making it smaller? Are we making it more efficient? How do we make sure that the asset just continually grows? The market gets more and more competitive, so you have to remain relevant, and you have to make sure that you're in the right places when it comes to a brand, especially like us. So we are a social outing. We are a family restaurant. People go and spend their money there. And I mean, disposable income is always going to be under pressure in, in our current markets. But if you look at it in totality, that's, that's sort of where you start and end the, the process.
0: New franchisees, do they have to have some experience in a restaurant to be successful?
1: They definitely don't need restaurant experience to be successful. Do they need restaurant experience to come into the group? No. Um, I think people have different strengths. Um, Like I said, we give you the recipe, we tell you, we train your staff, we train you uh, on how to run the restaurant. So in my head, the stronger successful franchisees in the current markets, because again, 15 years ago you opened up a restaurant, it was a less competitive environment, there was more, we were on a massive growth path with South Africa and so forth. It was almost a sure thing, you know, I could have fat, I could have waste. There was, there was lots of money that was coming through on the bottom line. Now your restaurants need to be run like businesses. These are not, it's not like the woo that goes in there and on a Friday night I see the owner walking around, he's working. He's now literally working, he's watching the back of house, he's seeing what his systems and controls are in place. I think if you have to see what the first Ocean Basket or even the, the 20th one, versus the way it's run today is a totally different business. So knowing the restaurant game on cooking food, you're buying into a brand. That's the support structures that Ocean Basket provides. We'll train up the crew. We'll assist you. We are continually in a support function in that shop to make sure that it can produce the food, as well as we have a business unit that helps you run your business better from the income statement from the top down. So do you need restaurants experience? No. Do you have to fit the culture well? That's probably more important.
0: Yeah. And and could you define your culture in one sentence for
1: us? Oh, that's a very difficult one. We, we are that Mediterranean home of seafood. I think the best way you can say it is the way we share our food when we eat. If I sit with the shareholders or even our franchisees or our partners at any point in time, if you have to sit with them over a meal, that's how the business is operated. So you can imagine this big, long table with everyone sitting and everyone dishing up off the middle of the table and sharing and laughing and fighting because it always will be there but that is our culture we're a very loud very honest and very upfront business Um, we want to protect everyone and we treat everyone as part of the family when you come in you are in our family and you're important to us you're like a brother or a sister or aunt or uncle and that's the way we like to keep it
0: I'm just listening to you when you're speaking about sharing. It's so clear that your arms are very open and you embrace your customers, you embrace your franchisees and you you exude warmth. Just sitting across from you, I think people in an organization need to be able to show the reality of what the culture is. So so from what is a difficult question with such a hugely valuable answer in terms of of Ocean Basket franchisees. New franchisees, how do you sift through all the inquiries that you get? Who will be, you know, chosen?
1: Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I don't necessarily want to say they're the chosen ones, but um, we do get lots of inquiries, and it is probably the most important step right in the beginning. So there is a process that everyone goes through. Um, it's a natural process for us. I mean, with Ocean Basket, I mean, it might be different with any other of the brands out there from one of the tire franchisees or another restaurant group, but it actually starts with us actually sitting over a meal or over a coffee in our restaurant and just trying to understand each other. So that conversation tends to start with um, myself and our head of new business, where we actually engage with that possible new franchisee When it gets to that point and we have a sense of comfort that the relationship could possibly work it actually gets to the next level which then goes into them meeting the core team which is what we'd call it as the driving team or your executive team they will meet up with them and then we'll get an engagement feel because again a lot of our business is over the table conversations if we can have those tough conversations up front we know what type of relationship we're going to have going forward and also what type of expectations you have. So when the expectations are literally laid out at the ta- on, in front of us, in front of the table, we can say we can meet this, you need to meet this, we need to do this in order for this to be successful. And then that possible franchisee, even if it's an investor, will end up in our kitchen. And I mean, that's prior to even going through trading. They'll spend a, a month-end weekend or one of our busier trade weekends in one of our bigger shops, going through each of the sections of the shop with one of our operations team. And this is just to make sure that the person is sure that he wants to get in the game. I mean, a lot of people think restauranting is very, like, glamorous. Restauranting is glamorous, but it comes with a hell of a lot of work. While everyone else is in their social mode and outside of work and knocked off at five, you're only starting to work. You know, that's the difference. And I think for us, that's a fundamental step for us to see on whether or not, and it's also a good step for the partner to see, oh, do I want to do this? Although they won't be doing that physical function every day, they know what needs to happen in that shop every day. And also they get to see the basic operations and see, can I manage this? How do I engage with staff? I mean, crew are a big thing for us. I mean, it's the hardest thing to manage as people. And we in process of evolving and evolving and trying to make that as best as possible. And it's such a touchy subject when it comes to how the restaurant feel is, is how's the crew, the waiters, the back of us, et cetera. And when our operations team is taking them through this pre-assessment, if you want to talk about that, they see how they engage with the staff, they engage with the management team, how they interact, because that really will determine how that restaurant will run when he opens his one day. Once he gets through all of that, or she, or or, um, gets through that entire process, it then goes into the more detailed stuff. Let's talk about site, location, etc. And then again if we do decide to sign on the dotted line and there's a possibility that you're buying a site or opening up a new site um, you're going to a month worth of training monday to sunday and that's how it works i mean i even did it when i joined ocean basket so i came from a corporate environment i wasn't allowed to work until i literally sat in a restaurant from the first to the 30th morning to night Understand every section, every area, every environment because that's truly when you start to understand and you build a passion for it. If you really want to do it, some people walk out of there and go and say, oh, you know, this is this is harder than what I thought. I thought I was just going to give the keys to the manager and go. And some people walk in there and say, oh, this is such an opportunity. It's giving me something different. Um, I can see the, the, the future and me in this in the same environment. So... It's a balancing act of the two, but it's important again. If they don't go through those processes, you're almost setting someone else for something that they, they're not going to experience, they're not going to expect. At least now that everything's on the table, you know how the restaurant runs, you know what the back of house looks like, you know what the grill line looks like when it's chaos in the restaurant and it's full and and the coordinator screaming to the griller and the fryer, you know exactly what it is. So you're never under pressure again. You go through those processes up front. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because it changes. I mean, the dynamic is totally different. You have an owner, operator, and investor. What does an investor want to do in a, in a shop all day? So he'd have to get his operators to come and sit there for that week because it has to get that environment going.
0: And would you say that a, an international franchisee in one of the countries that you operate is any different to your local South African franchisee?
1: I think the fundamentals are the same. Obviously we've went into international markets via master licensees and different formats um, versus even owning some restaurants in Cyprus. Um, but they carry the same fundamentals. The difference is we come there with a working recipe. We know our restaurants are strong. We know the consumers like us. We know that we offer that environment where you can feel valuable. Your family can come there. The kids sit at the table. It's, it's just fun and loud and, and it's, it's homey and you get a good value for offering meal when we walk into international markets that international licensee has a little bit more res- responsibility i mean we know the nuances in south africa what makes south africa work where to put it how to build it what does the site look like what does labor look like all of that stuff in the international markets they have a little bit of local knowledge that they also got to bring to the table so we can bring all the packages and saying this is what makes a perfect restaurant and the perfect site etc they got to come with elements of saying, "Okay, our labour works a little differently. We need to adapt for that. Our site locations are not malls. Maybe they're side street corners. So they come with a little bit more responsibility in making it work. I mean, we can research it until we're blue in the face. But experience on the ground works. That's why we work in South Africa easily, because I can tell you tomorrow we shouldn't go there or we should go there because I know it well enough. So that's, that's what we expect from the international franchisees. And again, they're holding the flag thousands and thousands of kilometers away from here. So that culture fit again has to be so good that I can trust the fact that that restaurant will run and will only see us in three months time when one of our team go and support.
0: I think it's quite phenomenal that you are successful in in countries beyond our shores because many a restaurant brand have tried Some have been successful, but I would say the vast majority haven't been successful, so it's a great achievement from a South African point of view. Lastly, I'm non-performing franchisees, and those that don't kind of fit into the mould that you ideally would like them to, how do you deal with them?
1: No one ever likes getting to these conversations, I mean I think it's the toughest thing. I don't ever open up a store with a possible franchisee or partner to see it fail or to see it not deliver what we deliver um, and see our consumers not getting the experience that we expect them to get. So these things do happen, people change. You might have the perfect marriage in the beginning, and you sort of grow apart, maybe you have different interests, Maybe people have different timing. Maybe they get tired. I mean, there's, there's multiple reasons. These things are normally governed through the conversation. I mean, we have 150 stores in South Africa, probably around 110 to 120 different franchisee partners. If one of those are breaking the system, they're putting the other 120 at risk. And I mean, those conversations normally start there, where we, we start the conversation and saying that it's not working and you're putting everyone at risk. Because you're not just putting the brand or your store or, your, or the signs outside. You're putting the whole system at risk. And other people have vested their lives in this thing. They see the success. They want to grow it. They're driving it. So often or not, we have that conversation up front. It's tough. I mean, I, I, it's, it's always the hardest conversation. It's always going to be there, depending on where people are in different life cycles. But we also have an Agora team, which is a group of franchisees that we engage with every three months six months um, around what's happening within the restaurants and also saying I mean they're the ones that also and so these guys are not delivering to the consumer experience because the consumer in South Africa will be in Bloemfontein today and Louis Trichot tomorrow we expect the same offering across the two if we don't get that you lose that customer to the group and that's that's we can't take that risk it just puts everyone at at at, at at risk. So we have those open conversations. I started the conversation saying, right in the beginning, if it's not working, we'll say it's not working. It's not working.
0: You mentioned the word Agora. What does that mean? What does it represent?
1: So Agora for us, I mean, it was developed even before my time I started at Ocean Basket, is it's our selection of franchisees that represent the whole network because you can't always sit with everybody. So. I think the phrase or saying is it's an open assembly where people come together and discuss it. And that's exactly what it is. Um, we tend to sit with them every six months with our menu cycle, as well as every three months, and they're on direct contact with us. So there's representatives in each of the regions that sit part of this Agora Council that exists, that gives us input that we don't necessarily see.
0: So Everything that you speak about speaks of warmth, speaks of engagement, speaks of consultation. A fantastic contribution to our podcast series. Thank you so much for giving us a better understanding on the selection of successful franchisees. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by NetBank. Stay tuned for more on franchising or search NetBank Franchising for valuable information. See money differently. NetBank.